What's up, guys? Uh, welcome back to the Flames Report podcast. My name is uh, Straight Out of Calgary, also known as Tarnjot Singh. Uh, I'm here with my co-host Harpeet, and Hello, joined everyone. with a special guest, uh, the one and only Harnarain Singh from Hockey Night in Canada. How's it going, Harnarain Paji? I'm doing well. Uh, happy to be here. This is uh, exciting. Congratulations on your guys's, uh, you know, beginning uh, of this podcast here. I know you're a few episodes in, and so it's uh, it's nice to be a part of it. Thank you, thank you. Uh, how are you? How are you on this Thursday evening? Well, slash afternoon. Yeah, good. I mean, um, you know, we're gearing up for our Saturday night broadcast. I'm going to be on Hockey Night Punjabi this coming weekend, and. Uh, a big weekend. Um, you know, we used to promote in previous seasons that oh, our weekends matchups are all Canadian matchups, but that's that's what it is this whole entire season. So it's it's kind of hard to sometimes build the hype differently, but they they are fun matchups in terms of Toronto, Vancouver. Always, whenever those teams get together, especially for the South Asian community, there's a there's a huge following for both of those teams. Uh, if you've ever been to Brampton or Surrey. And then, uh, and then the Battle of Alberta, another edition, and it's going to be really interesting because, uh, you know, everybody's been up in arms about the Flames, as you guys know more than others, and your listeners yeah. will um, for a long time already now, feels like. And then uh, the Oilers uh, coming off three straight losses uh, to the Leafs too, so there's a there's a lot of, you know, curiosity as to what does that mean and how much of a um, how much of a cautionary tale those three games should be. So it'll be. It'll be both sides of the Battle of Alberta trying to get back on track here in this one, so it'll make for a good matchup. Yeah, it's it's been a busy like Canadian division altogether. Like all seven teams, we we thought we'd never see this, but then it's here after all. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Canadian division? It's been fun, I would say. Um, you know, even just in terms of uh, the engagement with fans, the viewership, mm-hmm. it's been fun. Um, the only thing you I would say is. Uh, you know, there's a few teams more than others that uh, they had, it was a drawback for them not to have a preseason or exhibition games. And mm-hmm. and it was the teams that had more, uh, you know, more off-season changes. And that's Ottawa in there with a lot of new faces in terms of, they already have a young squad, but then some of the people they brought in and, and you know, I think a lot of those people, those guys would have benefited from a preseason preseason games and then Vancouver as well I think they mm. that that's that's been an issue for them too like had had Quinn Hughes and Pedersen been able to get some games under their belts without their mentors of Markstrom and Tanev there that probably mm. would have helped them so that's you know that's kind of that played a factor um and but it's been entertaining and and it's what I find that's really unique in this system is you know, it's not going to take very long for teams who are out of it to get back yeah, into absolutely. it. Like, you know, there, there's not, even though, so, you know, the Canucks especially have played more games than others, but there, there is a lot of room in terms of being able to uh, move up and down in the standings, uh, depending on what's going on. Yeah. Uh, Harku, do you have any questions? Yeah, so you recently started moving over to like the English side of Sportsnet and doing your play, like you just started doing play-by-play in English. So I just want to ask, like, what are some differences you see um, by doing play-by-play in English and Punjabi? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, on the Punjabi side, we are, uh, we we have a a lot of fun. We're, Mm -hmm. you know, we're very enthusiastic. And uh, I think, um, 
you know, we're able to mix in kind of humor and we're also able to pump the energy, especially with the goal calls and things. Um, and I think people understand that and they enjoy it and they're used to it. And then on the English side, I'm, I've kind of, I'm still getting my feet wet. And I, I think for some of the audience who are familiar with, with what I was doing on the Punjabi side, mm. they get it when I do the, hey, yeah. like on yeah, a yeah. Goodrow goal or a McDavid goal, they get it because that's what I've been doing on the Punjabi side. But then for, for viewers who are listening to me for the first time, they're kind of curious as to like, okay, is he going to do that for both <laughs> teams or what, or is he being, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. kind of, it's not mm -hmm. easy as a broadcaster when all of the games are all Canadian matchups mm -hmm. and I'm trying my best to be unbiased and, you know, trying to, I would say I am totally unbiased, uh, uh, but I am during the broadcast, you have to be aware of kind of you're, you're talking about yeah. one team more, or how you're presenting what's going on. Right. And, uh, what what ends up happening is is that um, you know the team that wins usually the fans <laughs> love the commentators and the team yeah. that loses the the fans hate them right and so I would say that you know there's been some curiosity uh, uh, you know especially in the Oilers Flames games too is <laughs> it's a heated rivalry um, mm -hmm. but it's been cool because I've and one of them I was able to do a Goudreau goal call yeah. like that and mm -hmm. then on the other one McDavid had a heck of a game and. And so you, you know, I was able to do that on what I thought was one of his better goals of the season too, where he was on a two-on-one, didn't even bother looking at the net, sold it yeah. all the way, sold a pass all the way, and scored. And so, um, yeah. So I mean, there's some interesting nuances there, um, just in terms of style, um, and and also just like you know, um, there's so much at play in terms of who you're working with. So like on on Punjabi side, I'm really used to Harpreet from there and how yeah. they work. And then on the English side, I'm, I'm with all these different commentators with mm -hmm. different producers. So everybody has their own likes and dislikes or their own style. And so you kind of adapt with that. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a thrill of a lifetime to say the least. Mm -hmm. uh, I was also going to say, uh, how did it feel like making your debut on the English side of things? Of course you uh, hosted uh, English games before. But like now you uh, put your uh, foot in the door in terms of play by play in English. So how did that feel? Yeah, it was it was really special, really significant, uh, not just for me and my family, but for my colleagues at Hockey Night Punjabi, for the entire community. I would say, you know, I've, I've got 700 plus games under my belt on the Punjabi mm -hmm. side, 13 seasons. And so I was I was hoping and praying for this day, too, because, you you know, mm -hmm. you this is what I, I dreamt of uh, doing when I was growing up. And so, and it was, it was special. It was opening night of the season and then yeah. it, it's continued on from there. And it's great. Like I, I've been able to do a, a number of games, um, basically every team except for Toronto. Mm -hmm. And and it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of good memories made here just since this season began. Mm -hmm. uh, also like, when you called your first Battle of Alberta in English, uh, knowing how big of a Gretzky fan you were as a kid and how you grew up in the heydays of the Battle of Alberta, how did it feel to like call the game? Yeah, I, I was adding a little too much pressure on myself, I think. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, it's one of those things where I live, I've lived in Alberta my whole life. So yeah. I, I know a lot of people in both cities. And so you're, it's kind of, it feels close to home. Um, you know, players and management and people working behind yeah. the scenes with both teams and so you know there's there, everybody's watching with a close eye and you know mm -hmm. you're just hoping for a good game right and you're yeah. hoping for a close one and something that's kind of action-packed with some scoring chances and 
And so, uh, but it was, it was really special. And I'm glad I got that first one under my belt because I felt a lot more relaxed in myself yeah. for the second time I was able to do that. Uh, and both of the uh, Battle of Alberta, as you called, they were high scoring games too. So like the first one, it was 6-4 for Calgary. And then of course, Flames fans know the second one, it was the blowout loss against the Oilers, which was 7-1. So like, it's it's a, it has a lot of firepower from like, Monahan, Gaudreau, Kachuk, G- Giordano, and like on the other hand, it's McDavid, Drysaitel, Nugent Hopkins, Nurse, and other players. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just crazy how how much firepower there is between the two teams. And like, of course, we didn't see all of the fireworks from last season, but then of course, there's also the there's also the points points differential in like the division now. So like, it's more tighter. So like, I doubt they'd want to risk getting injured because like it's a shorter season as well so like that's why I was I was kind of confused at first why I didn't see fireworks but then after a while I kind of thought about it then I'm like yeah it's, it's a 56 game season so it wouldn't really make sense to fight well and also within the game like I mean if if you're within two goals does it really make sense to yeah. mm-hmm. take a penalty and give your give the opposing team a power play and then you could be down further right so there's mm-hmm. within a game there's circumstances I think we I think there was a lot of hype, obviously, with last mm-hmm. season with yeah, Kachuk yeah. and the hits on Cassian. So mm-hmm. we got to remember these two games that we saw this year so far in the Battle of Alberta didn't involve mm-hmm. Cassian, right? And so, yeah. uh, so that's a big factor too. But the the goalie fight was really what brought yeah, a lot was, of attention yeah. to it, right? And and you're mm-hmm. not gonna get that's like once in a decade or something. You're not yeah. gonna get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. Um, it was it was just a unique circumstance, but this this time around when you're going to play each other, you know, ten times, it's also there's yeah. going to be that feeling out process, and you're, it's not going to be everything all of a sudden just in one game, right? So there's mm-hmm. going to, and and it depends on the team situation right now. I mean, they're six points apart, and so yeah. um, you know, and and so they're important games, and so I think I think the players have that mentality too, instead of looking at the extracurricular stuff they're focused on you know getting the w mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you have any questions um so i just want to shift over but towards your book you know he uh as most of you probably know right here yeah right there <laughs> harner and Singh has a book called one game at a time um it's an amazing book i just finished reading it and i want to ask like well, when did you know like how did you know what you wanted to write a book like how did you go through that process yeah, I didn't. I had no idea. You know, I actually thought that maybe if things go well enough when I retire and I'm like 60 or something like that. Uh, but the publishers, uh, they came up and asked me themselves saying that, look, we've, you know, my story had been out there in the media and in, in snippets. And um, there, I've been fortunate to have quite a bit of media coverage for over the past few years since the Benino Benino call, which you heard at the beginning of yep. the podcast. And uh and so they said, we want, we want you to tell your full meal deal story with all of the details and, you know, your journey up until this point. And, and, you know, I was, I was skeptical in the sense, I was like, who's gonna, who's gonna buy and read a book about me. But um, when we started talking about it further, first of all, I was floored. I was, you know, it was a really nice surprise that a publishing company would come and approach me themselves. Cause I've heard it's not easy to write a book and most people are in most cases are having to 
you know, put a lot of time, effort and money into pitching stories and things like that. And so here I am lucky to, and very blessed to have this opportunity come to me. And, and the publishers and I, I realized we were on the same wavelength in terms of they, you know, it's my passion to tell uh, youngsters out there and, uh, you know, talking to people at high schools and stuff like that. Yes. And uh, to say that, you know, if a guy like me can make it, then anybody can, right? And it doesn't matter if you want to be an astronaut or whatever it is, right? Like, mm -hmm. and we live in a world now in a country where you don't have to sacrifice who you are, what your faith or your culture is, or how you look. You can you can be proud of who you are and be a proud mm -hmm. Canadian. And and that's kind of my uh, like you know I'm really passionate about telling that story. And and they were too. They said like this is something that they were passionate about. And and so you know they were taking the angle of the inspirational side. But it was also really cool for me because within a book you have so much space to expand. Mm -hmm. So like my love for sick music youth and, yep. and tabla and all that, I was able to incorporate and marry all of that together in one place. It's the first time I was, been able, I was able to do that. So a lot of people in the hockey world learned a lot about me <laughs> that they didn't know uh, because I hadn't really you know, put, the, put them both together. So it was really special to tell my family story, my love for the game, the challenges that I faced, um, and then you know, getting to where I am today. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really it was really cool. Uh, I remember you told me about it like a year before in advance because it was it was still in the process, but you told me about it. So I, I got really excited. But when I found out it was actually going to happen, it, it was actually really cool because like um, eventually when we saw the book in stores, like I, I got it two days after it released. Uh, I got it cross Iron Mills. Uh, yeah. which people might not know where that mall is it's in it's near Airdrie and it's like on Deerfoot like to to the right not that yeah kind of towards Balzac yeah, yeah. but mm -hmm. yeah yeah you know basically Calgary but on yeah. the uh, north end yeah uh I I wasn't gonna get it at first because I thought I would wait a while to like or I'd probably get it for my birthday because my birthday was pretty close yeah. but then I ended up getting it and then when I read it I it, it was really uh, before I say anything the book was really good really good thank you uh, i applaud you for doing all of the work you've done through over the years and uh, i was surprised when i saw my name in the book i didn't know you <laughs> would throw it in there so it yeah really no cool. I, we've uh, you know i've had the good fortune of meeting you a number of times and uh, i remember still when when uh, you were even quite a bit younger and your teachers came up and told me how much you loved hockey and it's been uh, you know it's great to see how much you've done in terms of uh all of the hard work and effort thank you put you, in, you. into your posts and how passionate you are about it. And now getting to meet her youth here as well. And you guys are doing this podcast. It's, I'm proud of you guys. Cause you know, you're maintaining your, mm. your heritage, but you're also hockey fans. And that's, that's exactly yeah. what I'm about too. And so, yeah, no, I'm proud of you. And so it was important thank to you. me to, to put, to, to mention uh, my boy Thanjot in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I even saved uh, one of the cards when I got it signed in like grade eight. I think I even. Oh saved wow! And you even yeah. had that name straight out of Calgary yeah, yeah. then, eh? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. So uh, I want to hear your rankings of the Canadian division. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's pretty easy to start from the top with the uh, Toronto. I yeah. mean. It would be harder to do um, at the beginning of the season, but a lot of people had projected mm -hmm. Toronto to be up there. I mean, Edmonton, um, they were the best Canadian team last yeah. season uh, before it, it, you know, it ended off because mm -hmm. of the pandemic. I, I would have thought that the addition of Kyle Turris 
uh, would have been um, actually more impactful, but yeah, it, it hasn't turned out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hasn't turned out that way. And they don't really have a face-off specialist right now. And they're yeah. having to throw dry sidle out there on penalty kills and all that kind of stuff. And so late in the game. So um, yeah, they're obviously Toronto has proven themselves to be in this mm-hmm. separate tier in the division mm-hmm. uh, and they're just taken off. I mean, they're so well and far ahead and their additions have been interesting too, right? Thornton and, yeah. and, and some all of those the guys veterans. like it. Yep. Yeah. And Simmons has panned out too. So um, yeah, I mean, I would say, uh, you know, Montreal had that great start to the season. <laughs> I, I love their depth. I actually think yeah. they should be much better than they're showing to be. Um, but it's interesting with the new, with the coaching change that I think they still have potential, but it's, it's a mix right after Toronto, um, Winnipeg, uh, you know, it's they they're deep yeah. and on forward in terms of uh, their scoring depth. And you know, in your top six, you've got Kyle Connor, you've got Ehlers, Dubois, you know, yep. Dubois now with Shifley and Wheeler. And I think that with the departure of Line A, like Ehlers and Connor are getting more opportunity and they're flourishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing is, I really like their coach, um, I, Paul Maurice. <laughs> I think he's he's my favorite coach in the league right now. I would say, and just in terms of that that's all encompassing in terms of having getting the opportunity to deal with them talk with them how he interacts with the media and Mm -hmm. i i also applaud um how he's been able to stick it out in winnipeg with so much changeover on their defense and from uh, the start even right Mm -hmm. yeah it's been pretty pretty amazing um and and you know to be honest with you like it could have been a different scenario when the flames and the jets met uh in the play-in round Mm -hmm. um you know, with Shifley going down, that's a huge, huge loss yeah. for them, right? And so that really changed the 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 scenario. But Hellebuck is strong in net too, he's, right? So he's absolutely so, crazy. So in I, I would put, yeah, like Toronto's up there, and then I would have to say Winnipeg and Edmonton are kind of like you know in that second um, tier, and then in the third tier you got Montreal and Calgary, and uh, they've just got to figure it out. They yeah. can be good. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's unfortunate in terms of the Flames. They like yeah. on paper they should be a lot better, um, but I'm starting to wonder if it's the mix, right? And it, yeah. you you got to really have everybody um, buying into the same system, mm-hmm. everybody willing to sacrifice for one another, and and so there's there's obviously something going on there. I don't think we'll ever know exactly what's yeah. going on in that dressing room, but there's something mm-hmm. going on there. And so, and so, and then of course, yeah, in the, in the last <laughs> the year, you have Canucks and centers. And I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I had the Canucks higher than what they're showing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that they wouldn't feel as, um, you know, uh, much of a loss with Markstrom being gone. Cause I thought Demko, I thought Demko was ready because the way he was in the playoffs. Yeah, because you watched him first time too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I just thought, like, this guy's dialed in, and he is, he's that type of personality too, Mm -hmm. where he's so focused, and I thought, okay, Holtby coming in to mentor, and then I thought Nate Schmidt coming in over Chris Tan, or over Tanev, I just thought that Schmidt is, I've really liked him even when he was at Washington Capitol, and then when he was on the Golden Knights, so I was like, I don't see much of a drop-off there, and then Toffoli was a bigger loss, but I and, and and so but they're yeah their drop off has been a lot more than i thought it would be and so and then obviously ottawa still rebuilding and, and some of yeah. their veterans haven't panned out but they still got a good future like some of those guys can play mm-hmm. drake batherson stutzla like in the yeah. in a couple of seasons they're gonna be a lot they're harder. gonna be a juggernaut yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah the thing is uh i i predicted the canucks to be like in between five and six because okay. like 
of course, my biasness <laughs> plays into it because uh, yeah. they lost Markstrom, uh, Tanev, Toffoli, and then other players. Well, not really like key key guys, but those three guys, I think it hurt them uh, on the bigger bigger side of things. Because like Toffoli, he was the stability that they got in the top six, which uh, sure, JT Miller is there to like provide it, but you can't really replace a guy like Toffoli. Like we've seen it with like the way he with the way he's going off in Montreal. Well, he's cooled off now, but the way he's gone off, it's crazy because like most of his goals are against the Canucks. And then there's Markstrom, of course, which he's been a big, he's been a big reason why the Flames have their wins even. Like uh, he's been one of the big pieces the Flames even ever got in like the last 10 years or so through free agency. Um, and I really think he provides that stability in net, but like, the thing with the Flames right now is we don't like we sure we have the goal goaltending stability, but we're not finding any of that uh, offensive offensive strength and defensive strength. So it's like kind of not really playing out the way we wanted to see it. But like, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's you know anytime you can get a goaltender like that, like yeah. obviously that's huge. And and I you know there is a debate out there now, just given the way things have gone, that mm-hmm. should the Flames have have uh, have signed him or not because if you have to blow it up now all of a sudden you're stuck with him for yeah. that long right but i i mean i don't blame brad trey living for doing that because you know they did they did beat the jets and they you know it wasn't they weren't so far off uh, of dallas last time yeah. in the playoffs either and i know i know there's a lot of people out there who think that like you know this core in the playoffs hasn't been able to perform and there's certainly questions about that but I don't know if you have to blow up the whole entire team. I, I think, you know, they, they have to figure out some tweaks. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think Mark Strom still, in my opinion, is still a good sign. Whether, whether you have to rebuild or not, like having a goaltender, that's a marquee yeah. number one goaltender. It's, it's going to help. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they're, and, and I, like I said before, you know, even though, you know, they're, they're fifth in the division, it's just gonna it takes like three or four wins in a row and boom like you're gonna be right back into Mm -hmm. it and and so and and then some people have been talking about a lot and we hear this in calgary that you don't want to just be stuck in a middling team where Mm -hmm. you just you know either you make the playoffs and you barely make it or you you miss the playoffs and you just barely miss Mm -hmm. and then you're not getting the high draft pick and that but um i i still think you gotta at least try because of the fact that it's been proven in hockey and how many seasons recently too that if you just make it to that dance even if like you know if Mm -hmm. you're the last place team in the playoffs you just need to make it and and in the playoffs it's a totally different Mm -hmm. ball game right like it's clean slate and you never know what can happen and um and so you know just making it is a big enough deal to and then you never know from there right we've seen so Mm -hmm. many teams who are back in the day in the other format where they were the eighth place team Mm -hmm. and they all went all the way right yeah, uh, we saw that with the Predators in like 2017, where they beat the Blackhawks, who were number one in the division, and then the Predators were the second wild card, so like the 16th team of, of well, even in the whole league yeah, as well. Yeah. They were the 16th team. So and then they went on to go to the finals, and then obviously they fell short against the monstrous uh, Penguins, and then. Uh, in my opinion, I think the problem, well, not really one of the main problems with this team, with the Flames team is, uh, I think it kind of falls on the hands of coaching, which is a really big question in Calgary as well. 
like people blame the coaching or they blame like the core of Gaudreau, Monaghan and Giordano and how they've been here for like for how, however long like Gaudreau, uh, for Gaudreau's case almost six seasons and then for Monaghan it's almost seven years plus and then Gio it's like almost 15 seasons in the league um I think the main questions going into the season were the coaching as well because like we didn't like the Flames fans and like the team thought we had the depth as well with like Levo, Simone and like other pieces that were added along and then that really didn't play out because we don't really have that stability and depth either anymore so the blame that's being placed on coaching right now it's a really big thing because the system implemented right now it's more defensive minded whereas we don't really see the offensive uh, strength of like guys like Goudreau and Monaghan because like they're more so being pushed towards the dump and chase style of hockey like the olden day type like that we saw in like the early 2010s and now how they're being pushed back to that so like I I think it's 50-50 in terms of players and coaching but like I think if the team wants to make a move right now and save the season I think it should fall on the coaching but at the same time if you're Brad for living this is going to be like your sixth coach so it wouldn't really make sense to fire him which is the scenario that's going around so I don't know if it's six but you can correct me if I'm wrong I remember Bob Hartley when it's he five. came in and then so Bob Hartley Glenn Gullitson Bill Peters, and then uh, and then after Bill Peters, you got uh, Jeff Ward, yeah, right? That's, so that's, that's four. Four, yeah, four. Yeah, Nine that's four. Yeah. yeah, and so um, you know, even if you if you want to look at it that way, like this this fourth one isn't really his fault. The Bill mm-hmm. Peters thing is, you know, that's yeah, his own fault, just, right? So yeah. so it really he's only on the third. Um, you know, I'm I'm a defender of Brad Trey Living because I like how he. He's not afraid of making change. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the trades that he's made, like, you know, Dougie Hamilton mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, and, and then also just in terms of the, the goaltending too, like he's, he's, he has tried a lot of different things, Yeah. Um, you know, going back to Jonas Hiller and Brian Elliott and all Sorry, that. And you, yeah. like, I, I, I thought that a bunch of those were going to work. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. in, 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 in the NHL today, if you have a one, a one B, it can work, right. It's been proven that way. Um, In terms of the style of play, I just don't think they have that marquee. um, You know, they don't have like a offensive juggernaut superstar. Uh, So you got to play to your identity. And so, you know, defense does win hockey games, but in terms of the dump and chase style, I mean, I remember it wasn't this season and maybe it was the beginning of last season. I remember Monaghan talking about how he wanted to play more of a 200 foot yep. game and, and how he, you know, it didn't matter if he scored uh, less goals and it was all about the team and that kind of thing. And that's, that's maturity from a player too. But I mean, obviously there's that change that either he implemented or the change that the, the team has told him to implement it. It has come at a loss in terms of, you know, the offensive uh, numbers that we were used to seeing him put up too. Right. And so mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a, it's a tricky situation. I mean, I feel that they have uh, the depth that we were, we were thinking they would have on paper. Mangiapani has been a, uh, you know, a really good uh, surprise um, and not, not necessarily a surprise. I mean, he's taken the next step um, and Dylan Dubé in there, they got that, like, you know, even, even if you take a look at the trade that, 
uh, Trey Living did, like getting mm-hmm. Lindholm as a part of that and Hannafin. Those are those are big moves. I've I've actually liked some of the moves that he's made. It's just it's just the situation right now is that something is going on in the Flames dressing yeah. room that we don't necessarily you know know exactly what it is, but there's there's been some kind of the hints have come out and yeah. the players only meeting and, and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, there is a little bit more room for depth that they need. You're right about Levo and Dominic Simone. It, it hasn't panned out as much as, as it mm-hmm. should have. And so, you know, you can fault trailing for that. And then, you know, they're using Brett Ritchie and Nordstrom and stuff. Yeah. So there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of depth that they could use um, on the offensive side. And, Let's see what happens. I mean, um, Markstrom coming back now after this injury, mm-hmm. uh, that should help. And, 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 you know, it's also, I'll say one more thing on that topic that it's not as easy this season to even make a coaching change. Mm-hmm. If you're going to bring yeah. in someone and they're not in Canada, you're going to have to wait 14 days and all mm-hmm. that. And also teams have lost so much money um, firing a coach. Mm-hmm. And when they're making so much as it is, and you're, you're an owner who's just going to pay them for free, it's, uh, it's uh, like, I mean, Montreal did it, but it's still, it's surprising, mm-hmm. but I think, I think they had to. Um, and then the owner understands too, because they, the owner put in like close to a hundred million dollars, just bringing mm-hmm. in all the additions that they yep. made. Right. Uh, with Toffoli, Edmondson and Allen and all those guys. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a different year. So I don't, I don't think they're going to be as quick to make coaching mm-hmm. changes as they would have been, um, in, in previous years. Yep. Harkir, you have a question? Uh, yeah. So I just want to switch it up a bit, talk about uh, your career. Um, so I, I just want to ask, like, what are some of like, the struggles you faced, you know, as you coming up in your career as a broadcaster? And like, but especially as like being the sick and being different than everyone else, um, like you were one of the first to basically one of the first to ever, you know, come into sports broadcasting, you know, come on TV and do all this like what, what were some difficulties you faced and struggles you faced yeah I think um you know like there is obviously uh unfortunately there are ignorant and racist people out there mm-hmm. and so you you know it takes them a while to get used to that there's going to be a face who looks like this or a guy with a turban on their broadcast and so you know I I remember and I still to this day I mean it happens I I just got a tweet a couple of weeks ago ago maybe even one weekend ago saying he better shave that terrorist beard off his face and and so like those things happen so you you have to like I I knew going into it that there's going to be some of that and and so that's that's you know it's not always easy but it it happens more often that I'm kind of used to it which is kind of sad in a way to say um but it's it's um so there's there's that kind of stuff too but then also within the media world in terms of proving your worth to proving your example uh, to proving that you you belong and you know i i've had some people say some things to me that have that i didn't know maybe in my younger years how to respond that oh the only mm-hmm. reason you're on hockey in canada would be because of the punjabi side well it's in well hold on a second what did yeah. you just say <laughs> uh no i actually i went to school for this i i, I studied radio and tv and broadcasting i i've studied the game of hockey in terms of the you know in terms of what the game is or the history of the game or whatever right like i'm passionate about it and i know Mm -hmm. enough to be able to to call a game and things like that and so there's this you know there's this sentiment 
about that. I think you have to go over and above um, when you're different mm -hmm. to prove yourself. And, and so there's been challenges, but it's also been, it's also been a great experience too. Like I can't, I can't just talk about the negative side without saying the positive side. There's been so many people who've been so supportive as well. And, you know, I have to give credit where credit's due. Companies like initially CBC Sports starting Hockey mm -hmm. Night Punjabi, that was that was them. That was their idea to do something mm -hmm. multicultural. And I don't think anybody realized it would become as big as it is today. And then Sportsnet giving um, people like myself uh, opportunities and my colleagues now on the mainstream side, like that credit to them to to realize that you know it's it's time for us to do this and we're seeing more women we're seeing more people of color in in the hockey world in the broadcast side and that's that's really important because when i was a kid i was told one of the challenges that i was told is that you know this would be impossible because of how i looked and i was told that there wasn't diversity in sports and so you know that i needed to focus on something realistic but i'm really thankful to be sitting in front of you guys here today saying that you know, it, it happened for me. It came to fruition. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's just the age old stereotype and like the brown side of things. Like when, like some parents are like, oh, tu doctor Varna, like you need to be a doctor, you need to be a lawyer. You need to be like all of those mainstream jobs, like high paying jobs. Like, like, yeah. of course, broadcasting is one of those jobs where it's not really a normal job to have in like our community per se. Cause like you don't really see many people that look like us in the media. Well, of course in like India and like Punjab and like Punjabi media, of course you see them, but like in mainstream media, it's, it's more so it's, it's not really a big influence in terms of like, you're the first, like first sick broadcaster to call it in Punjabi, of course, which is a really big thing. And it's, it's setting a precedent for like, myself and like other people that might want to become broadcasters in the future that no matter what you look like no matter who you are no matter what you wear no matter what you wear on your head and stuff like that you can do anything in the world well it also is you know one of the reasons why uh if people also don't go on to this path as much mm -hmm. as it's highly coveted it's high stakes it's competitive yeah. right and uh even if you think about the NHL world, just in Canada, there's seven NHL teams. Like how many, yeah. how many host play-by-play, -play, color commentator positions on there on the air? There aren't very many. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I wouldn't use that as discouragement for anyone. I, I would say, you know, if you want to be on air, give it a try. Go, go for it. But if you don't make it on the air, there's still tons of positions behind the scenes, which are you know, a lot of fun too, in, in terms of producing, in terms of graphics, or in terms of communications for a team, you're, you're closer uh, to the, to the situation to the, you know, there's so many, there's trainers, there's yeah. equipment managers, there's so many positions within working for a team, um, you know, and, and it's, it, you're very close to the players and the management and the coaching staff actually in those positions too. So uh, within the world of hockey, there's so many ways you, you can go about it. Mm -hmm. Harkir, do you have another question as well? Uh, yeah, I got my, my, this is my last question here. Um, so in your book, you talk about how for a long time you were paying for your own flights, you know, you were setting that up. And then you also talk about how, you know, like you never, for some seasons, you didn't know if you were going to have the next year, you know, having broadcasting Punjabi in for the next year. What kept you motivated? Like who helped you through it? Like what, what were some motivations you had to get through those times? Yeah, um, good question. I mean, for sure, my family, um, always encouraging, 
Um, you know, my wife as well, so encouraging. She's a rock pillar of my life in terms of keeping me, keeping my head straight. And, and, and yeah, it was, it was very tough in those years because the show wasn't as, uh, it wasn't on as solid footing as it is today. Um, and then that's due in part with Rogers Sportsnet and the move over to Omni TV and all that, that's really helped. And there's been so many other, um, colleagues uh, and people working on the show have put in so much effort into that. Bupinder Hundal, Rindeep Janda, my producer Nathan Sekhan, Harpreet Bunder, like you know, the list goes on. Um, and so, this in the initial years when it was with CBC Sports, and we were a much smaller scale and much smaller group, and yeah, we'd call the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. It was so bittersweet because I was like, "We, you're on this high of calling the Stanley Cup championship game," and. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm walking to my car or to my hotel or wherever, wherever I am. And I, I, I don't know if that's the last game I've ever called because I don't know if I've been on one year contracts for a long time in my career. Right. And so it's, it was a lot of uncertainty for the first, for the first stretch um, for sure. And um, yeah. And so to, you know, it's just encouragement from loved ones that, you know, um, you know, just keep at it. And, you know, there, there will be opportunities that come up and, you know, you can only control um, so much. You can only worry, you know, why worry about something that's beyond your control? Mm-hmm. And I've had to really teach myself to do that. And I still struggle with that. Um, but it is a really big life lesson that, you know, um, if something is a year or a few months down the road, you know, work towards it, but uh, whatever the outcome is, you have to accept that as long as you put in your best effort, you know, at some point there's going to be a door that opens or a path for you uh, down the road. Mm -hmm. And I want to move to the hockey side of things. Uh, Of course you were, wait a minute. Were we talking about football or what? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. We were talking about football. I don't know. Um, Of course uh, you were there. Well, not really directly in the bubble in Edmonton, uh, you were there hosting games alongside uh, Chris Cuthbert and Louis DeBrusque. Uh, how did it? How does it feel uh, calling and slash hosting a game during the COVID era that we're living in right now? Yeah, it was really eerie. I would say you walk into arena, it's not what you would expect. It's basically completely empty. During the bubble time, there wasn't even like there wasn't much media there at all. So mm-hmm. it was like the game was being played for the three of us there. You mentioned Chris, Louis and I, and it's just, it's eerie, right? Cause it's so empty. Um, there's like, there's no buzz of the crowd. There's no hustle bustle. And it's just like, yeah. So it's quite weird um, in the playoffs there. They did pump a lot of crowd noise mm-hmm. and stuff like that helped. Like once the game goes on and you kind of get into it, you have mm-hmm. to kind of forget, but it is a different atmosphere. And, and, and so then when I was calling, when I've been calling games now play by play wise, you really miss the fans. You miss yeah. that uh, boost of energy, the excitement, the atmosphere. And so that's, that's quite challenging sometimes to, you know, middle of the second period, if it's just like mm-hmm. a low scoring game, you gotta, you gotta keep up the energy and you gotta, you, you want to kind of, you know, can keep up the excitement, but you're trying to, you're trying to generate that on your own. Um, especially with a lot of times like uh, in Calgary, Winnipeg, some of the arenas were sitting quite far away. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's a great vantage point in a full building. Um, but you're, you're so far away from the players that it can, it can feel kind of like it's in slow motion at times. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's, that's the biggest difference, right. Is the excitement level, the atmosphere, the vibe in the building. It's, it's not there without the fans. 
Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, uh, you did a segment like about, I believe, like close to six to seven years ago. I think it was uh, when you asked uh, Flames players to talk in Punjabi and you gave them some phrases to say in Punjabi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was that like? You know, I didn't realize at the time that that would be so kind of special and that you know people would remember that for years and years later i was just kind of doing that as one of my weekly videos for the flames in Punjabi and uh but that that was a really memorable moment and it was like it was such a fun video like those guys had a lot of fun with it Jordano's like and monahan are basically the only players left from there because i had brian mcgratton in there i had mm-hmm. joe colborn in there and i had uh red, red obero yeah right and uh and so they were all great colborn was he was fun and Red Obera was so impressive in terms yeah. of how many languages he knew and he he could just say the he word. So he, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so it was, it was fun and good on the players for agreeing to do that. And uh, I, I just did an interview not too long ago with Ian Hanuman Singh of CBC mm-hmm. The National and he played a clip from there and he said, he said something interesting and put it in perspective and he goes, after playing a clip from that, he goes, you know, thinking back 20 years ago or so, you know, it would be hard to imagine like yeah. a guy with a turban going into a room and asking NHL mm. players to say hockey words in Punjabi. Yeah. Like that would be, yeah. no one would even come up with that as an idea. Like it's unfathomable. Mm-hmm. Right. And for, for that to happen. And then, then it makes me realize that it's, it's significant, right. It's, it's mm-hmm. pretty special. Yeah. Like watching that when I was like, like it was almost six to seven years ago so I was probably 10 or 11 at the time yeah it, it was it had me mesmerized because like those I obviously grew up idolizing some yeah. of those guys and seeing them talk in Punjabi was hilarious and yeah. like it was crazy because like you're the inspiration like you're the inspiration of like me going into broadcasting as well because like of course you tie tie the star and you talk and you like call hockey games um it's been a dream of mine as well. And like you interacting with the players and telling them to speak in Punjabi was honestly a really cool moment. And like That's now great to hear. Great yeah. to hear. And Thank now you. that you're calling the games in English, it's even it's an even bigger inspiration as like as far as I go in the future and stuff like that. So thank you for like being a pioneer for like people like myself and like others around Canada and stuff like that. You know, uh, I'm just lucky and blessed and thrilled to be along this ride. And it's really, it's really rewarding for me to hear that. I mean, if, the, if that's, uh, that may be end up being kind of, you know, one of the biggest uh, achievements mm-hmm. of my life is to be able to inspire other people to be proud of who they are and then in, in to still mm-hmm. go for their dreams, uh, especially in the hockey world. So that's that's great to hear. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget that. Thank you for sharing that with me. No problem. No problem. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us on the podcast. But before we leave, uh, could you one, uh, at least one time, could you do the Benino Benino call once? Benino, 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 Nick, Benino! Well, that's uh, episode four of the Flames Report. Uh, we thank uh, we thank Harnarayan Singh for joining us uh, on the podcast. It was really cool to have him on as our first special guest on the podcast. And um, uh, how do you feel, Harkir, in the whole experience? Yeah, no, it was an amazing experience. You know, talking to him. Um, yeah, I'd like to thank him again. You know, for coming on, taking time out of his day. You know, uh, he is a busy man, as we yeah, all know. But yeah, no, it was a, it was an amazing podcast. You know, uh, had so much fun recording it. Mm-hmm. 
yeah it was it was really cool uh the some of the stuff he told us and like the stuff we covered it was really cool talking to him about like the bubble and how his career has panned out so far and making his debut in hockey night in canada and um it was really cool all in all uh we <clears throat> thank harner and sing again and uh as he would say in his famous goal call, Benino, 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 Benino. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, any last words, Arkirit? No, yeah, I just want to thank him again. You know, it was amazing. Yep. Uh, there's episode four of the Flames Report, and uh, you can find this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. And uh, you can find us in the next episode, maybe with another special guest.